Welcome to a great day for hockey talk with your host, Paul Steigerwald. Paul Steigerwald standing by with a special guest. And let's go down the ladder right now and join him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. I'm Paul Steigerwald. This is the first of many episodes of this podcast, but the first one is a really good one because we're talking to the man, Sidney Crosby, and we began by asking him about his summer. We all know that it was too long, but it was also very enjoyable. It was a good summer. Spent uh, a lot of it at home as usual, but uh, got away a bit too, which was which was nice. Um, you know, for the first time in probably a couple summers, I had a real vacation. So um, you know, just got away from from things a bit, but uh, excited to be back. And um, it's a great feeling this time of year. The anticipation for the season to start, seeing all the guys and I'm um, just getting ready to start things up. You know, I saw you maybe a week after the season ended in the hallway up by the elevators at PPG Paints Arena, and you looked like you were still feeling the sting of the loss. You weren't happy. I think you said you weren't even watching the playoff games at that point. Did you end up watching them, or did you just stay away from it after that? I watched a bit of the conference final, and then um, <laughs> after that, no, I didn't watch after that. Um, it's tough, and I don't think uh, – I don't think I've ever enjoyed watching them, and you know, fortunately, we didn't have to uh, a couple of years prior there. But uh, it was a good reminder of how tough it is to win, and how important you know different situations are in, in series and turning points and things like that. And um, that's the playoffs. And looking back, uh, we had our opportunities, we didn't get it done, and we've got to find a way to be better this year. You uh, went on vacation. Uh, what was the first stop? I went to Europe, so I went uh, to England, um, Spain, uh, where else did I go? Germany, Switzerland, Austria. Wow. Yeah, I kind of bounced around. So that's, I mean, that's the beauty about going over there is everything's pretty close and, you know, rented a car and went from Germany to Switzerland to Austria pretty easily, um, all three countries. So, um, yeah, it was great to, to get away and see a different part of the world and I uh, went to Davos where they host the Spangler Cup, which is a pretty cool town, so to be able to, to see that. And I want to ask you about the Spangler Cup because you say that, and there's, I know people who really are into hockey would know what that is, but there are a lot of people who might not know what the Spangler Cup is. Is it something that you were interested in even as a young guy in Canada? Yeah, so at Christmas time in Canada, they always show the World Juniors and they always show the Spangler Cup. So um, there are just two, you know, two events that you get used to, to following over uh, the Christmas holidays, and um, you know, you're always keeping a close eye on Canadian hockey, obviously, but it's a unique, uh, unique event and, um, kind of an older building, you know, wooden, uh, wooden seats and, um, you know, just has a great atmosphere to it. So, uh, it was fun to, you know, to see that building and to see the town and you're in the mountains there and wow. probably a little different feel in the winter than, than in the summer when I was there is a little quieter, but, um, yeah, just to see different parts of the world and, and travel around was great. You were on the ice there too, weren't you? Didn't you work with some of the guys there in Davos? Yeah, I skated there. I just I brought my gear over with me, not knowing um, you know what I was going to do necessarily. But if I worked out that I could get on there, then I was going to try to get on. So um, everybody was unbelievable there. Uh, everyone in the organization, and they had some. Some players skating at that point. The European team started up a lot earlier than we do, so they were already getting ready uh, for their training camp, and it was uh, it was a great experience. I looked at pictures. That tournament started in 1923 after World War One, and it, Switzerland wanted to bring 
uh, countries together after the war, being a neutral country. And, of course, they had to suspend the tournament for a while during World War II. But there's a picture online, 1932, I believe it is, of the arena. And you can see it from the, kind of a, 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 you know, from the sky or from one of the mountains maybe. But anyway, the backdrop is incredible. It's like an old stadium. with the. They didn't even have artificial ice till 1960. It is such a pure event, isn't it? It kind of seems like something. Could you see yourself wanting to play in it someday, like after yeah. you're finished with the NHL, maybe in your 40s <laughs> or something? Or yeah. 50s, I hope. Yeah, I mean, the, the lockout, um, the most recent one was uh, probably the closest I ever came. And, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And a couple times it looked like the season was going to start um, prior to Christmas. So I was skating here, getting ready, and I had been hurt for a while. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure about going to play other games before I knew for sure everything was good. So uh, I came pretty close that year to playing it, but that's probably the closest I've come was, was that year of the lockout. But definitely it's in the back of my mind. Is it really? If there's, yeah. if there's ever an opportunity, that'd be a pretty cool one to play in. And I know that talking to the, the people there with the team, uh, their 100th anniversary is coming up, like you said, uh, 1923, and I think they missed a couple of years. They did, right. So, um, so, yeah, we'll see. You never know. You went to Wimbledon, too, and you ended up playing a little tennis uh, against John Isner. Uh He's six ten, and I know I saw some quotes already online that you 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 know he, the ball was coming at you pretty quick. So I looked to see how hard his serve is, one hundred and fifty seven miles an hour. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he can. Uh, yeah, he's he's a big guy and he can definitely uh, get a lot on it. And um, did you get a racket on it? I asked him to. <laughs> I asked him to give me a real serve. So I don't know if he gave me everything, but uh, I did touch it but i didn't return it <laughs> so you tipped it like you yeah, tip a puck i, I, I guess got part of my racket on it a couple times <laughs> but uh just wasn't experienced that whole um that whole experience of you know seeing wimbledon and getting a chance to, to meet him and maria and uh just seeing the whole setup there you don't have to necessarily be a tennis fan to really appreciate uh wimbledon and what it represents so it was a, a really cool thing to be able to do and you said afterwards that you, when you get an opportunity to meet people like that in other sports, that you'd like to take advantage of it. Uh, you met Maria Sharapova there as well, but any other people like that that you can think of in your career that you've had a chance to meet or people you would like to meet you know, that you haven't yet? Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer too at different points. Um, you know, tennis works because a lot of times in our off season we're, you know, we're in the same place as maybe an event that's going on. and. Um, you know, just uh, just being able to to relate to you know other athletes and necessarily not necessarily the same sport, but um, how they train, how they prepare, mm -hmm. uh, how much they love what they do and, and competing and things like that. Uh, we spent a lot of time around uh, Ryan Shazier last year. Uh, you know, pretty inspirational. I'll say. Um, you know, the attitude and the mindset that he has, and um, yeah, I think it's just a unique opportunity that we have that that athlete community in Pittsburgh being a sports town, uh, it's not uh, uncommon to, to come across other athletes. So I always wanted you to go to Cleveland and meet LeBron James. That never happened, did <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, no, it didn't happen, but uh, you never know. I mean, if it ever works out, that'd be uh, that'd be great. It occurred to me that the, uh, the game changed when you came into the league. After the lockout, there was no more red line. I mean, the red line's there, but the two-line pass is gone. You can't pass the – you're allowed to pass the puck now – from your own zone all the way to the far blue line. Do you remember even what it was like when, when you couldn't do that? Uh, I don't remember much about it. Um, you know, it was always like a big deal when you had a two-line pass. <laughs> like, 
you're like, that's a mistake. It's like going offside. It's like, what are you doing? Like, get back, you know? But uh, it was kind of always either on the player receiving the pass or the guy making it to know, like, you know, that's something you can't do. And teams would defend differently. You always heard about New Jersey playing the trap and really clogging up the neutral zone. And they were trying to avoid that and, you know, taking the red line away. But, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of... uh, a lot of talk about that as much as maybe just the rule changes in general, just the clutching grabbing. That was, I remember going from junior to my first year in the NHL was probably not a typical uh, jump because they had cracked down on so many of those, those things. It felt like I could move a lot more freely, you know, than I, than I could even in junior, even though the guys were younger and <clears throat> probably not as quick. Um, it still was kind of a nice adjustment there coming into the NHL, and I think we averaged like eight power plays a game. So that wasn't that, that, that wasn't too was. bad either. <laughs> That's changed though. I mean, coaches have figured out a way to kind of use the ice. Or I, Ken Hitchcock uses the term "manage the ice." Mm-hmm. I, I get the feeling that coaches have figured out a way to kind of use the red line without the red line being there. If you know what I mean. They always find ways, you know. <laughs> they watch enough video, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's always coaches are always going to have a big influence on the game and um, the way you prepare and things like that. And you know, whatever the rules are, they're always going to find ways to to adjust. But I think without it, um, it's just what we've we've gotten used to. It'd be interesting to see with it if there would be an adjustment period. Some people want to put it back in. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thought. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how how things worked. I mean, there might be. A few more pass. I think there's a lot less passing now. It's more put the puck into areas, speed, 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 which is good. But there's a lot less passing, and maybe with the red line back, you'd see a little bit more passing. But it's you funny might- you say that because what I remember is there was less passing then too because you couldn't make a play because it was so clogged up that you had to dump the puck in. So it was like the same thing. Yeah. But then you were dumping it from behind the red line as opposed to maybe dumping it softly behind the D like you do now. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. I mean playing. Playing both in my memories, you know, of playing with it is a lot different than what it is now. But um, I think playing, I, I think you still prefer to play without it. But it'd be interesting just to, even if even if you were to do it for uh, preseason or, um, you know, even inter-squad games, just throw it in there just to see, just to feel that as, as a player. It's been so long since you've done it. It'd be interesting to see what happened. It occurred to me, Sid, that there's like, if a kid was seven years old when you came into the league, He'd be like twenty twenty one. He's never seen, other than when he was before he was seven. He's never seen a hockey game in the NHL that, that where there was a red line and you couldn't, you know, you could, uh, or you couldn't make a two line pass. Yeah, right? and I mean that's where mobile defensemen were so important because, you know, if they could weave their way through that or give you an extra guy to kind of get through that trap when teams were trying to protect that, uh, made a huge difference. And we've got some pretty mobile guys on our team, so. Yeah. Be interesting to see how we yeah, do with that. Now the other thing is because of the way the game's played now, it's a more in zone offense game. Like it's like a lot of the offense occurs in the end end zones. It's not. A, I don't think there's as much, you know, in transition off the For rush. Sure. I mean, sure, it's it's there, but you guys get the puck in deep. You slip you slip it behind people, and then there's a lot of work, which I think is right up your alley because you're such a good corner guy. You're so good on the wall protecting the puck, stuff like that. But there is a lot more attention to that, isn't there, that that, that style of play? And the, and the offensive zone's bigger now, too. They've made it bigger. Yeah, I think that's just the way the game's going. And, and I think that, you know, guy, wingers now, they're 
you know, they push defensemen back. They're trying to push those defensemen back to create a little bit more gap, and guys aren't as close together coming up the ice. That's that's what happens, you know. A winger's far away now, so instead of a center working with two guys coming up the ice, he's probably only working with, with one, potentially none, depending on the play. So he used to come up the ice together a little bit more, and now that, you know, everything's changed just because the way it's coached and, you know, strategy and systems and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what you have to get used to. Uh, you actually played a little goal in ball hockey, and your dad was a goalie, but do you think goalies are protected enough? What do you mean as far as well, driving I mean, the net? The league is trying to make it safer for them. And I'd <laughs> say they're more protected than ever. I mean, is that a good if thing? I were to, if I were to talk to my dad, he'd say that it was way harder to play when you know when he played because once once they came out of the crease, it was pretty much fair game. He would yeah. say, you know, that's that was kind of the the trade off when you wanted to be a goalie who played the puck or came out and be a part of it. You might have took the difference you know, is though. Imagine playing the game where the nets are embedded in the ice. For sure. Okay, so the goalies didn't have to deal with guys driving to the net maybe as much because they would get killed if they went into the cage, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't – I always you, laugh. You feel, I can't I can't yeah, compare, yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't – and they had they had less gear, right? So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the argument, okay, well, I had less gear and they have bigger <laughs> gear and they're more protected. You so. and your dad have a lot of conversations oh, like that? Yeah, time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fun, to, it's fun to hear his point of view and, you know, playing in the 80s and the, the games were – higher scoring and um you know there's just different mentalities error to error and yeah you know rules and all that stuff but uh you know he always he always says he had to make the save he wasn't a blocker you know he didn't have the big gear and all that stuff so i don't think he'll ever change that argument but uh, i would say that that more than anything is the biggest change in the game when you the way goalies play yeah i mean it's it's percentages it's angles um i mean they have systems they play yeah it's it's, yeah there's more of a book, more of a book to play in goalie than maybe it used to be. You know, it was more kind of a feel. Each goalie almost had their own type of style. I felt like you could kind of connect with yeah. however they played. They, they like to be, they challenged, they were aggressive, they were, were feist, feisty, and then there was guys who were super athletic. And, yeah. you know, they kind of had their own identity, each guy. And um, there's a few like that now, but they're pretty they're taught pretty similar i think across the board with maybe a few things different here and there it's true um do you think they i asked you about goalies but they're safer for them i feel like the game's gotten safer for players over the last few years like guys are becoming more respectful of each other or something something changed right around the time of uh, well when you had your concussion but also just when they started cracking down on those lateral hits guys picking heads and things like that Mm -hmm. you know i don't even see guys running people as much you know like trying to blow people up is like even they were maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, I think I think there's always been respect there. I think it's just, you know, clearly outlining, you know, what's allowed and what's not and enforcing it consistently and and everyone being aware of what that, you know, what those lines are. And I think, uh, you know, you talk about hits to the head. I mean, that was just, you know, as a player, you felt responsible. If you went in the middle of the ice and you got hit in the head, that was your fault. You know, because you were in the middle of the ice. You're in a, a bad spot. You put yourself in that position, head down. That was accepted. That's just what we knew, you know. But then, you know, you see the injuries and you see the, the things that happen. And, yeah, but there um, were things like a guy, uh, like when I think of David Booth, he was just skating straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And somebody came across and 
you know, from behind and from the side, those lateral hits, you know, and they just picked his head. So that's different than a guy coming straight ahead with his head down, right? Right, yeah. I'm talking about one that was considered clean. Yes. You know, mm. I would still say a, that would be a blindside, one that, that you're talking about, yeah. a, a hit like that where a guy's unsuspecting and he doesn't have the puck and someone takes advantage of that and hits them to the head. That That was always considered a dirty hit, in my opinion. That was always a bad hit. Mm-hmm. But the ones where you were coming across the ice, the puck, the timing is there. You might have just passed it. That was okay. That was that was considered, you know, fair game because you were in that position. You put yourself in that position. And and even, you know, with, with the rule changes now, that's that's not the way we see it. You know, it's we've had to adapt, and I think those are – those are good rule changes. I mean, I think that guys can still be physical. There's still that element in the game, but um, for something that's you're talking about split seconds here, you know, for something that's so close, um, you know, why not take those away? And I think it's it's benefited. And I remember even a couple of years ago, people were suggesting that maybe the game is actually too fast. <laughs> remember them saying yeah, that yeah. they wanted to slow the game down somehow and allow a little bit more holding guys up just because. The collisions were so incredible because guys were traveling at such a great rate of speed. Is that a fair thing to even talk about, like slowing the game down? Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, it's a fine line. I think it's. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, you know, if you do think that, how, how do you slow it down? You know, what's yeah. you know what's the the way that you do that? But um, no, I think hits to the head have been a a big point of emphasis for a while, and I think you know it's it's trending the right way. You know, I think that they're going down. I think guys are more aware. Um, they're always going to be there. It's fast game. And, you know, there's positions where you just guys can't avoid them sometimes. But for the most part, I like to think that you can, and I'd love to see them be reviewed. I mean, I'd love to see a, a hit to the head be reviewed. You know, you look at our, our playoff series, there's two that happen in game and it's happening so fast. How do you expect somebody you know, we can't tell on the bench how's a ref going to be able to tell right. in real time whether there was a hit to the head there. So they're they're a huge impact. And, Zach Aston Reese. I mean, you know, I didn't realize how severe that was until yeah, I mean, we found was, out later on in the summer. A, that was a yeah. I mean, Tom Wilson hit him. You lose, you lose a player. He's out, and you know the player who makes the hit still. That's a big turning point in the game. So I mean, if you know, if that's kind of if we're trying to take them out, I'd love for them to. You know, to be reviewed, that'd be that'd be something to really uh, to make sure that we get them right. Speaking of turning points, I mean, when you look at the two years we won the cup. Some of those video reviews that played a huge role yeah. in Tampa and one that stands out. But um, and then last year, if they give Horny the goal in Game Two in Washington, I think the Penguins come back and win that game. You guys were on the comeback trail there, don't you think? Yeah, and I mean, I mean you look at it, it in retrospect, it you could say, oh, no, nah, you know, there was still a lot of game to go, but I just know how games go. And yeah. that was a big moment, and it was kind of interesting because looking back on it, that was probably a key moment early in the playoffs for the Capitals. Yeah, I mean, when you, you know, you look at times where you've lost and times where you won, it's, you can look at those moments, and Tampa's a great example of the year we, we won the offside. It's like you know, <laughs> his foot's off the ice by, Drew Ann's foot's off by an inch, you know, and instead of you know being down one nothing uh in that game you know it's zero zero we get a power play a few minutes later and we score and we're up one nothing just a huge swing of momentum you know in a series deciding game and you look at you know the examples you gave um 
maybe maybe things go differently, but they didn't. And think about that year against Philadelphia of a three nothing lead, and it's offside by by twenty feet, yeah, a big one. And but that's that's the sport. That's that's what makes it so so difficult to win. And and when things are going well, you get those little breaks and. When Isn't you, it funny that yeah. the team that ends up winning the cup often is the one that got those breaks along the way? Yeah, sometimes maybe that's they what deserve you need. it. I mean, I don't know where the, you know, where they're lucky to get it yeah. or if they deserve to get it. You know, I like to think at the end of the day you earn them. Yeah, you know, when I look, you know, when I look back at those different things, you, you earn those breaks, and that's what makes sports what they are. You know, yeah. those those little those little things. Do you watch uh, football much or? Yeah, I watch it a ton. Do you? Yeah. What do you think of what they're trying to do in the NFL with you know? changing the way you tackle and you're not using your head <laughs> you imagine that's a pretty severe yeah you know adjustments that guys have to make right yeah they make you know what that's the one thing i noticed just from you know watching so many games over the you know i've gotten into it since coming to pittsburgh and um watching more and more it's just there's so many rule changes like year to year they they make those changes pretty quickly and um you know that one's tough because you know especially you want them to protect the quarterback and you look at the tackling now it's you know they talk about unnecessary roughness whether they actually drive them into the ground yeah, or they, they fall to the side or oh, wow. that's got to be really oh. tough for the the guy making the tackle they've I mean, been doing it their you, whole lives playing a certain way too yeah which is i i agree they have to protect the quarterback and and make sure they take Jack care Lieber of him. said they should put dresses on the quarterback <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure the old you know the old school you know, guys who have played that played with much different rules would be thinking differently of that. But uh, I'm sure it's hard for those players to sort it out. But it's like anything. We we'll get you know players adjust and they get used to it. But uh, there's a there's a kind of a learning curve there. Did you ever watch uh, like rugby, like where guys don't wear helmets? The different like you talk to those guys, they talk about spatial awareness mm-hmm. and they don't get hit in the head because guys are respectful. And it's kind of like the old days of hockey when guys didn't wear helmets. Mm-hmm. You know, they they did, they just hit differently because they knew each other weren't protected you know it's just, yeah it makes you wonder like maybe nfl players are, are overprotected and we've talked about that with hockey but you know equipment being weaponized and i yeah. think a similar thing with football with the masks and looks like they're impervious to, to pain and they can deliver some serious blows you know yeah it's hard to say i mean i i didn't ever play and it's hard to tell i mean it, it looks like it's quick on it's fast i mean on tv they can slow it down and yeah. you know but it, you know it looks pretty fast and um you know, you can tell that when guys, especially to, you see a receiver go up for a ball, yeah, it can, it, it's a fine line, you know, is. and guys are looking to make those big hits when they see the opportunity. They want to make sure that they make their presence felt, but it's, Have you it ever gets run on iffy. the sidelines, Sid, uh, the Steeler game? Or is I haven't, no. Game? That's something you ought to do sometime. It'd be you great, yeah. You, you would, it's unbelievable. I think I'd love it, it's yeah. It's scary, too, and the sound of those pads cracking, I mean, it's, yeah. There's some big guys out there colliding. It's yeah, it's heavy collisions. I mean, I've gone to games and I haven't been on the sidelines, but yeah, you, you know, it's just there. yeah, you can tell. Um, you wear gloves that are really protective, and it was really cool that you showed me your glove last year and compared it to the gloves of your your teammates in the stall next to you. They're they're completely different, but they they remind me of the original gloves, like hockey gloves that I saw when I was 12. You know. Yeah. So tell me about the, how that whole process of of your gloves being leather and the others not. Yeah, I mean that's just what I used, you know, growing up. That's what hockey gloves were. They're a little bit longer, heavier, just with the material, and um, that's just what I got used to wearing, and that's what I've I've always used. I don't think I've changed my gloves since. Do you know of anybody else using leather? 
Not many. No, I mean guys typically go lighter. They like they like lighter gloves and um, with all the different materials they have, and they like smaller gloves just because they're not as intrusive. They're able to, to handle the puck and feel their stick a little bit better. But um, I always like the I always like the little bit heavier gloves. The weight on your hands and just even when guys are trying to to slash and things like that. You know, obviously you're trying to you know cover your wrists up and fingers and all that stuff so i've always used kind of those those heavier ones the other day we had a uh an event they're doing this tasting of the food and the sweets and one of the raffle items was a Sidney crosby autographs glove and i grabbed the glove and i told the people the story about it this glove is different from anybody else's in hockey and i took it around and showed people at every table and they were like totally enthralled with it you know getting their picture taken with your glove and everything but it is. Uh, it, it looks like it would be a lot more protective. I think it's a good idea, actually, that you do that. But I could see why players wouldn't want that heavier glove. Although it still felt pretty light to me. Like you know. Yeah, I think that guys. I mean, like we talked before, it's just guys. Some guys wouldn't even know that's available. <laughs> like to be honest with you, guys yeah. coming into camp, they who would, makes it for you? How do you have that made? It's custom it's, made, right? I mean, it's just like an old model of CCM. It's not. It's not anything, you know, that much different. It's just. Older I materials. Them, I? I mean, they don't sell uh, them like that anymore, do they? I wouldn't think. I mean, no. they're always going for lighter and, yeah, smaller. Most most gloves. That's that's the way it's going. But, um, but yeah, as far as protecting your hands, it's, that's what I feel gives me the best chance of of having uh, not to deal with that. They tried to take cheating out of the faceoff circle a little bit last year. Did it work? I think it did. Yeah, I think it. I think it did. Um. I think they've always, I mean, I don't think they've ever allowed guys to cheat. I think that it's just you're trying to win a face-off. I mean, nobody's going to go in there and be perfectly perfectly straight, but you can try to enforce it as best you can and give both centers the best opportunity to, you know, to win the draw evenly. But I think, uh, you know, they've tried to, to make sure they do that, and I think it was – it was pretty consistent all the way through and you saw a few penalties early on didn't really see much as the season went on as far as the players adjust or did they I think they adjusted <laughs> I think they adjusted I think there's probably probably met somewhere in the middle there that's that's the best way I can describe it I mean they always say that the older players get away with stuff do you do you feel like an older player now that's allowed to get away with stuff <laughs> I think it uh, probably it was probably like that more when I first started just because there was less rules you know, there was less you scrutiny. Know, yeah, there's less it. rules, and yeah, and I think that you know, it's guys who have taken faceoffs for 15 years have an advantage over a guy who's taken a faceoff for a year. You know, yeah. it's you know, you, you know the guy you're facing off against. You know, you tend to to know. Um, even I'm sure linesmen have little subtle differences in how they drop the puck and whether they're a little quicker, they like to line guys up a little bit more. There's just always little subtle differences. And um, a guy that's played 15 years would know that more than, than somebody who's only taken face-offs for a year. Do you think you're hard to play with? Um, that's probably a better question for the guys that <laughs> I've played with. But uh, I would say yes and no. I think I'm, I'm pretty demanding. I, obviously, I, I want to execute when I'm out there. Um, I think that's that's important to me if there's opportunities or um just fundamental things I feel like I'm those are important to me like those little details of you know where you are on the ice and 
being able to depend on on your line mate. I think things happen quick out there. You need to know that, you know, if you expect a guy to be supporting you in a certain position, I think that's that's important that you have that that you can depend on each other as a line out there because um, things do happen quick and. Um, but I think on the on the flip side, I like to think I'm predictable for line mates for the most part. I like to think that hopefully they know that if they're if they bobble a puck or um, you know if there's if there's kind of a, a broken play that they know that as a centerman I'm going to be there to support them and in areas that give them a best chance for me to 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 support them more, get open and get the puck. So um, yeah, I would say yes and no, probably more demanding than anything I think is probably the toughest part and that's uh you know that's something that you could probably ask guys who play with me but I'm sure they'd be quick to say that <laughs> well it, you know I'm sure they like playing with you though um but I do remember Mike Sullivan telling me when he first got here uh in 16 he was telling me that he said to you he wanted the animated Sidney Crosby on the bench he felt like uh, I don't know if you remember that but yeah. he felt like he knew, he wanted to see you get more engaged the way you had been and for some reason he had seen you not doing that as much or whatever I thought it was yeah. an interesting observation do you remember him telling you that and yeah what your, what your feeling was about that at the yeah time? I mean I, I completely agreed with him I mean I I love the game I'm passionate about it and I think you you know in a way you express you express yourself out there I mean it's that's how, as a hockey player, you do. I mean, uh, I think naturally I'm competitive and I work hard to um, to try to be at my best. And, you know, when I expect that of myself, hopefully, you know, hopefully I can expect that of others and push other guys too. I mean, uh, and I think that's, that's healthy. I mean, there can be a point where it's unhealthy and, um, you know, it's, it's finding that line. But I think... Uh, you have to push each other to a certain point and and I think for myself I I try to push myself to to make sure I execute plays and that I prepare and all those things and that's what that's what comes out when you're when you're fired up and when you're into it you're engaged that's why and uh I think that's something he recognized right away and he was obviously following when he was coaching Wilkesbury still watching games and things like that and I had played uh, against teams that he had coached, and that was an observation that he made that he felt like I was a little bit more engaged than maybe previous years, and um, I, I agreed. I felt like that was an area that that's a difference maker for me when I'm when I'm into games and and uh, engaged. Then I feel like uh, my overall game is better. You're sitting here with your skates on right now. If folks could see us, we're in a conference room doing this. It's it's uh, actually in Mike Sullivan's office, and you're wearing your skates and your legs are have ice on them. But uh, what's the deal with the skates? You were wearing them the other day when we talked as well. Yeah, I I don't get new skates very often, so I I try to break them in uh, as quickly as possible. So whenever practice is over and trying to you know break them in, I just put them on and, and wear them around, and uh, you know just try to get them on as much as possible. Some guys are able to to switch over to new skates a lot easier and I haven't really uh found out how to do that yet. So I usually try to wear them as much as I can and make that a little bit easier. Okay, I just don't want to jump around too much, but I want to go back to what we were talking about. You talking about your your line mates. The stories are legendary about the cup teams that Mario played on and those guys. They used to get on each other constantly and it was yeah. you know, it was crazy. And they didn't have microphones on them in those days like they do today. I mean, it's a, 
But they also they didn't have iPads in those days on the bench. Are you finding that the use of that helps you convey to your line mates, hey, I was here, I'd like to try this? What do you use that for when you – I can see you sometimes conversing with your line mate about it while you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think the iPads are good. I think they're good and bad. I think sometimes you can – you can look at it too much too. I mean, the game is, the game isn't static. I mean, it's, it's free flowing and you know, you have structure and strategy and all that, but at the same time, it's just things happen out there. Sometimes there's no explanation or, you know, but I think other times it's good to kind of move by something too. If, you know, if you thought it was a certain way or you thought it developed, you know, a certain, uh, certain way, then I think you just, you look back, you say, okay, I could have done that, and then you move by it, and sometimes it's just good to get it off your, you know, to get it off your mind, and if you're unsure, and, uh, you know, you're going to make mistakes out there, but definitely if you're trying to use as a tool to go over something that, you know, instead of spending uh, a period mulling over it, and then, you know, waiting till the second period, if you're with your line mates, you see something quick, you know, that's that, that's something that could show up again another 10 minutes later in the game and you're on it a little quicker and you're able to adjust. So I think special teams, it's it's very valuable, you know, when you're talking about the iPads. But in-game, it's more just, uh, just to kind of ease your mind if there's something that you saw that you weren't sure about and everything happens so quick. It's nice to see it, you know, nice to see it on there. When you go home after a game, do you ever watch the replays? That you never, never watched the entire game? Never. No. Do you watch your shifts on the phone? I don't really. T- I don't need to watch anything. I mean, it's all in your head. Yeah, huh? I, I usually remember. Almost. Every little, you're like a golfer. Remembers yeah. every. Yeah, it's not, exactly. Golfer remembers, you know, uh, you know, uh, a hole at this course. Yeah. You know. Well, they go. If you ever go to a, like a this press conference three, after a you know. tournament, the golfer will tell you every single shot he made, exactly. what club it was, where it you know, exactly. situation, and and batters remember every pitch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very it's very similar in that way where. You know everything. If if we were to bring it up, I could talk to you about it. But there's little things that stick out when you, you know, when you think about a game, and you know, especially based on your position. If you're a center and you're breaking out, you remember the one or two that didn't really feel good or didn't go right or didn't you didn't execute. You know, just because because they didn't go right. Yeah. You know, but yeah. the other ones that, you know, they're regular and they seem normal and consistent, then they don't really stick out. But um, that's you know you just kind of identify with that don't you think Sid that uh, with the emphasis on mobile defensemen now guys getting back for pucks uh, you look at the guy the Penguins just drafted Kalen Addison uh, you look at Will Butcher who was signed by the Devils you know he's these guys are quick mobile not real big and I'm wondering if you feel like there's less physicality around the net as a result of that you feel a little safer down there than maybe you did five or six years ago when Dion Phaneuf was hanging Mm -hmm. all over you and it just seems like that's kind of going by the boards, uh, those big, mean guys, you know? Yeah, I think there was more guys who, you know, that was more of an important aspect of the game. You know, that was something teams were looking for more than maybe they were looking for it now. You know, they they may, you know, prioritize a mobile defenseman more than somebody who's better at clearing in front of the net. That's just how they, mm-hmm. they may look at it. And, uh, I don't know that for sure. I think every team's different. They all have their own identity, but that's if you were to look at every team, that would be probably you know an observation. You'd see just the fact that you know there's not as many bigger guys as maybe there were 
before and there's more of an emphasis on skating and there's more of an emphasis on getting the puck out of your end quicker and um, that seems to be the trade-off for you know somebody who's going to you know, necessarily clear the front of the net. And you've heard a lot of tales about the way it used to be, right, in the front of the net. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember looking at lineups and seeing two or three guys that you're like, okay, <laughs> if I'm going to go to the cre- you know front of the net, I've got to know that this guy's on the ice or that guy's on the ice. And yeah, you just knew that from looking mm-hmm. at every lineup. It was a trend. It was like, okay, who's, you know, the two or three guys on this team that you've got to be careful of or the two or three guys on that team and, it's probably not not the same, you know. It's not the same now as far as that's concerned. Does that make you change the way you approach things, knowing that you might have a physical edge on somebody or just, you know, being not or not being as vulnerable there to to go to the front of the net and hang out or whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because well, I think that definitely, I mean, you're you're definitely more confident going to the front of the net then you know if brendan witt's trying to line you up at center ice like or he's trying you're trying to go to the front of the net and you know that well, yeah. he's going to sit you down like you know you're you're human like you're yeah. it's human nature you're, you're going to be aware of that but at the same time um i think that there's there's less chances too because you know i would say that if he's going to step up and try to run me then more opportunity to put the puck behind him and create offense that way and create offense for your your winger and things like that so maybe there was more opportunities because he was taking that chance to to line up that big hit and now that's you're not going to get those because that d is going to pass up maybe on that opportunity and be more worried about getting the puck out of his own end that was an interesting story you told the other day about when you lost your teeth and the surgery you had to undergo after that, and the, the pain that you felt when your teeth were the nerves oh, yeah. were exposed. Ooh, yeah, man, that sounded bad. Yeah, yeah. Dental stuff is never. I mean, I I was never a big fan of the dentist, but um, <laughs> I got to know Iris pretty well after after that that one shot. Um, yeah, when you broke your jaw, you also lost a lot of teeth, right? Yeah, I lost. Well, not full teeth, but yeah, probably six or seven. So. Ooh. Yeah, I was. Had you lost any up to up to that point? Not full career? ones, not no. full ones. No, that shot was just it just got me right in the right spot. And um, yeah, anybody who's had dental work or has gone through that before, you know, it's just it doesn't ever stop. I mean, some teeth just kind of a year or two down the road they flare up, and it's oh. just the way. It's just kind of. You the said that the hot and cold, the difference in the temperature, you could feel it in the nerves in your mouth. Yeah, that's just when the the nerves get exposed. That's when, when you go from like uh, when you went from the rink into the dressing room. That's when it would really, you know, really flare up. So I'm glad. Uh, uh, the life I'm of glad that's out of the way. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I hear you. No, you knocked on wood, folks, and I don't blame you. Um, do you sleep on the day of a game? Yeah, I sleep for about an hour. Do you? Yeah. Is it hard to fall asleep, or do you, do you find yourself? really enjoying that opportunity like yeah you just get in that's just your routine you get so road, used you to it, it. Yeah, yeah on the road at home that's just you get you get used to that and probably the first couple games it it's not uh it's not the same just because you've had you know a whole whole summer of kind of not having your game day routine but once you get in the swing of things that's uh i remember when i was younger i used to sleep like two three hours no problem <laughs> can't do that anymore wouldn't feel that great but 
you get to the rink, uh, oftentimes I don't see you on the bus. You're usually there earlier. Uh, actually, I go second bus. Do you go second yeah, bus now? I, uh, I'll go early in the morning, usually get everything done in the morning. And, you know, the rinks, it's a little quieter then. And then uh, I usually get there with, I usually go with the second bus. Just everything's done. And I just what are you like, doing? What are you doing in the morning when you're there? I uh, usually sticks and, you know, stretching and things like that. Just, I think that's, you know. It's a good time to go, and you know, once you show up to play, you just play. You know, you don't. Do you like the, the morning skates? Because a lot of guys think that they should eliminate them. John Tortorella's eliminated mm-hmm. them. Do you like going to the rink? In the I morning? like going to the rink. I don't necessarily need to skate as much. I think when I was younger, I I liked to skate a little bit more, and that's yeah. always. Yeah, you don't you exercise know. the. I mean, you exercise the option now. More, yeah. yeah more I now. used to. Yeah. I used to skate every morning skate optional. I used to go on as much as I could, and. You know, as you get older, you just you gotta you gotta manage your rest and things like that. And I look at a guy like Oli. Oli hasn't Oli hasn't missed a morning skate. I don't think I've ever seen him take an option. And uh, I'm sure that'll change like in a few years. But um, that's just you know when you're young, and uh, that's that's what you're used to. That's what you do. Speaking of young, I have these numbers here. I wanted to throw at you. I think you're gonna get a kick out of this. When when the great players like yourself were young, some years that they had where they put up big numbers. Phil Kessel, for instance, when he was a Bantam in Madison, Wisconsin, he scored 176 goals, 110 assists, 286 points in 86 games. Mario, when he was a peewee, had 150 goals, 93 assists, 243 points in 65 games in Montreal. This is the one that's going to get you. Wayne Gretzky, we played for a team called the Nadrovsky Steelers in Brantford, Ontario. 378 goals, 139 assists, 517 points in one season. And you had 159 goals in 55 games at age 10. I just think it's fun to look back because it was pretty obvious early on that all these guys were great players. And it is amazing how they all turned out to be great players, including you. And I saw an interview you did when you were 14 where you were like, when I, the, the, the announcer said, when he scored 159 goals at the age 10, you knew something was up. Like that you were you were pretty good and you might have a future. Is that, yeah. you remember? I don't think I ever thought like that, though. I mean, I'm sure there, there are lots of did? kids who did, who had great numbers in minor hockey. I mean. Really? I'm sure. I mean, maybe not, maybe not those numbers, but maybe close to that and. I just don't think I ever the NHL always seemed like it was another planet. I didn't have an NHL team locally. It, I wanted to play in it, but it seemed so far away. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's just how I looked at it, and it was probably the that was probably the best thing for me because it, you know, it motivated me, and it's something I wanted to do. But um, I had a couple players that locally that I looked up to, and I looked up to my dad who was drafted and things like that, but. It still seemed like it was so far away. I I knew I knew I was playing well, but I also knew I was in a small town, and mm-hmm. you know I didn't. I think at midget when I played it in nationals, you know, in a national tournament, that was the first time I really kind of that gave me confidence. Like I did really well at this at a national level. It wasn't just a provincial level or Atlantics where it was Eastern Canada. This was you know a national tournament and. And I played really well, and I think that gave me a big boost. 
and that, that season was my first year midget I think I was 14 and I remember thinking to myself okay like I, that was a big that was a big shot of confidence for me and your dad actually was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens the Canadiens farm team was the Nova Scotia Voyageurs for many years mm-hmm. uh, so there was a, a connection to Montreal for they, you but yeah what were, were a lot of kids in the Halifax area Canadiens fans anyway or, or what yeah, I mean, I feel like growing up, you were a Montreal, Toronto, or a Boston fan. That was the three three teams that really kind of dominated, and um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, because those were big rivalries, all you know, all yeah. three of those teams. So um, we had you know families that were completely split watching games. You know, it was it was great. Um, but yeah, Is that it was a big deal watching games like um, in your house. Yeah, Saturday yeah. night. I mean, that's. Uh, my mom had two brothers that played hockey as well and you know hockey was always a big part of our family all my cousins played and we had a lot of uh you know, there was a lot of cousins so you know it was great just to, to follow everyone's hockey that was going on I mean I had some cousins that were playing in the Quebec League and Junior A and Midget and my uncles played you know senior hockey and things like that so it was it was really cool to kind of everyone could kind of follow each other and relate to the teams that they were playing for. They were playing in different associations, Halifax, Cole Harbor, all the local ones. So that was, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, hockey was always a big part of it. You have buddies, uh, in Cole Harbor too, that you're still really tight with, right? Guys that you grew up with. Yeah. We, you know, we played hockey together and in some cases baseball too. We had, you know, Paul Mason who, uh, helped out with a lot with my hockey camp and, um, coached me growing up. He coached peewee hockey, but he also coached uh, mosquito baseball. So we had a lot of the same guys playing hockey. Mosquito? That we, yeah, it was called mosquito, which is basically little league. Yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, he would coach. You know, he would coach uh, baseball in the summer, and then you'd see him for hockey season. You know, a lot of the same kids were playing hockey as baseball. So you know, in some of those cases, you're you're spending you know, almost full years with the same, you know, some of the, you know, core kind of group of guys. So that was, that was really cool to grow up, um, you know, with those guys and, you know, some great memories, uh, you know, growing up together and road trips and, <laughs> you know, we won some tournaments, but it's not, it's not that, that you remember as much as the road trips and the funny things that happen and um, all those experiences. That's what made it so fun. It's really interesting you say that because my nephew's team won, a championship last year in minor hockey. He was a coach, uh, and they had a ring ceremony the other night, and these kids are 14, 15 years old, and they're sharing their experiences, and they weren't talking about hockey. They were talking about their buddies, you know, and mm-hmm. some of them were crying, and their dads were crying. It was amazing the, the amount of companionship or fellowship that is developed among young kids at that age when they yeah. play hockey. It's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about the game, I think, really. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, we still, you know, we've we've uh, played in some great tournaments and had some great experiences winning them. We had some really good teams growing up. It was fun, you know. Obviously, yeah. it's it's fun to win. You you travel around, you know, the the province or you play in provincials and things like that, and you want to win those. And so we had we had fun with that. But then, you know, the road trips and the hotels and all of the cars oh, yeah. cars breaking down and getting stuck in storms and. We had a buddy of ours who he didn't play 
he happened not to play very much in one of the final games, so guys still give him a hard time about that. <laughs> and, uh, he was a great teammate, though. <laughs> he was a great teammate, but um, but yeah, just things like that. It's it's still fun to to think. And you back get together those with those guys and just reminisce and things like. Oh still yeah, when you go back. Yeah, we get together. We play uh, play some golf and stuff together. We'll just get together on the weekend and. Summer is so short, really. I mean, it's it goes yeah. by pretty quick. Do they but, visit you at your lake house at all on the weekends, or um, your buddies? Typically, we'll just we'll go play golf, and they'll end up there. But it's been pretty good. The like prior to last summer, we had the had the Stanley Cup parties, so that was oh, that was yeah. great. That was a great uh, great way to see everyone all at once. But uh, um, yeah, we try to get together. It's it's not easy, but we usually get together at least a couple times a summer. Cool stuff. Um, what do you, I, you, you had mentioned to me you like Joe Rogan's podcasts. Like, we're doing this podcast, and mm-hmm. you already have an idea in your mind of what a podcast is. Yeah. Because you spend a lot of time listening to them, huh? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I've gotten into them a little bit more, and um, I don't have a specific subject that I like to listen to, but that's the great thing about them is just, yeah. just kind of be whatever, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think it's something that's that's definitely catching on motivated and passionate about hockey right now as you ever have been considering all the things you've accomplished in your career already and you don't seem to be slowing down at all in terms of you your hunger yeah I mean I just I love to play and I think that you know competing and just understanding that you know you're not getting any younger (laughs) like that's you know I think that's the biggest thing is you know when you're young I think age is a motivating factor because you want to you want to advance that learning curve. You want to make sure that, you know, you you learn as much as you can, as fast as you can to make that adjustment um, into the NHL. And I think that, you know, when you get older, it's it's still a motivating factor. It's just a different way. You know, you you know that as you get older, you're supposed to slow down. You're, you're supposed to not to be not as good. But, you know, you you can control that to a certain extent and uh, I'm trying my best to you know to to be as good as I can you know uh, for as long as I can and and hopefully give myself the best chance to play uh, as long as possible so um, I think part of the motivation is to be at your best but also part of it is to know if you know if you take care of yourself and um, train hard then maybe that's an extra couple years you get to enjoy the game for and uh, I think that's that's kind of where the motivation comes, a little bit different as you get older. Your buddies with Jack Johnson, I think of him as being a guy who you might want to win a cup for. You know what I mean? Like give, a, give this guy an experience. There's somebody you've been buddies with for a long time. He's going to finally get an opportunity to play with a team that has a real shot at it. Wouldn't it be nice to see him lifting that yeah. cup at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's always – I mean, I think you look at your team and your team's makeup and things like that every year, and there's always – uh, examples of that guys like Jack who who played uh, played a while and would really appreciate the opportunity and uh, and I think everyone you know there's always motivation everyone has their own motivating factors of, you know of why they want to win and, and things like that but I think for somebody who's played you know a longer amount of time there's probably a greater appreciation there you think a guy like Ron Hainsey and yeah, you know, I don't, he hadn't even played in the playoffs, really. I think maybe once, or was it at yeah, all? I don't even know. Yeah, it was not at all. So, guys like that, <laughs> yeah, guys like that. I mean, 
you're so you know to be a part of that it just you know that's what makes it so special and uh you know it'd be it'd be great you want to win another scoring title this year maybe you you think about (laughs) stuff like that because i'd like to see it i'd love to i I think you guys could get off to a great start this year i like your schedule yeah yeah i mean it's all with what you do with it right i mean i think the fact that we don't play 19 back-to-backs gives us an advantage i mean that's you had a bunch of them early too yeah that's the second game on the road it was tough I think that's a, you know, especially coming off two long years, you know, playing deep, that's something that uh, was a challenge. And to know that we'll be a little bit more rested, we we should use that to our advantage. But doesn't no guarantee doesn't guarantee any more points. You got to do, you know, you got to do something with it. And um, but yeah, as far as a, you know, um, winning a scoring race, that would that would be great. I mean, I. I try not to think back to some of those ones that, you know, I felt like I had an opportunity and they just didn't work out. So you never know what can happen over the course well, of the season. I don't season. like to, you know, bring up a bad subject, but you were on a pace for about 140 points in 2010-11. Yeah. 60 goals. I mean, that would have been an unbelievable season. Yeah, that was that was a good one. So that's that's what I mean. It's so many things can happen. and um, But, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. Last thing. I wanted to tell you about this book. It's called The Puck Starts Here. Okay. It came out about maybe 10 years ago. I had a copy of it. I lent it to somebody. They never gave it back. <laughs> I bought a new one yesterday on Amazon for $6. Okay. Do you know where hockey started? Windsor, Nova Scotia. That's right. Yeah. Birthplace of hockey. Right there. How far is Windsor, Nova Scotia from Cole Harbor? 45 minutes, an hour. Yeah, and it said that they and it mentioned Dartmouth in there as being a place. And Dartmouth is like Dormont is to Mount Lebanon. Right, right. Yeah, that's where Nathan a, McKinnon's from. We're yeah, we're from Cole Harbor, but Cole Harbor's in Dartmouth. So oh, I get yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. So So did you know that? I mean did you oh, yeah. know much about that? Oh yeah, that's you Is that a big deal up there? The people? That's a that's a really big deal, yeah. I mean yeah. people take a lot of pride in that and um there was always a little bit of back and forth between I think I wanna say Windsor, Ontario, whether they you know whether they you know whether they started hockey and i don't know i don't know what the argument was i just know that that was brought up before but as far as we're concerned it's it's windsor nova scotia that's really cool yeah and i don't think people really think of nova scotia as being you know the hotbed of hockey in in that regard you know as being the birthplace yeah i mean they've i think they did one of the hockey days in when they started hockey day in canada um I think it Which was is a great on show. CBC yeah. or, you know, on uh, Rogers. Yeah. Um, when they started that, they did it in Windsor. Yeah. I think one of the original ones was in Windsor, so they did a lot of stuff around that. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's it's pretty it's pretty neat to, to think that that's where it started. You like the history of hockey? I mean, do you pay much attention to the, the lore and the, yeah. you know, the players like – I do, yeah. Did your dad have you sh- watching highlights of Bobby Orr and guys like that? Did you uh, ever see much of him? Not really highlights. I think, you know, it was more just reading, like reading, you know, the mm-hmm. hockey news. And we used to have, a, like, a subscription to the hockey news. And that's where I used to get, you know, that's where I'd read about a lot of the hockey stuff. Um, I mean, I'm not – Have you taken much I'm not time that old, highlights of Bobby Orr? Have you seen I, – I mean, I've seen highlights that you watch on NHL Network and yeah, things yeah. like that. But He was awesome. Yeah, I mean, no, it's amazing. I mean, seeing uh, what he did in such a short period of time. I mean, he retired at, was it 30 or 29? Late, late, late 20s, yeah. Yeah, so. Knees, like today he probably would have been able to repair the knee. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, I mean, he was 
he was unbelievable. But um, I definitely, yeah, I, I appreciate the history of the game and uh, love hearing about, you know, love seeing clips, love hearing about guys that, that played in the earlier days and, you know, think about original six and how cool that, that timing was. And even talking to a guy like EJ, Eddie <laughs> Johnson, I mean, he's got some unbelievable stories. Doesn't and, he, though? I mean, just how tough those those goalies were to play in that in that era is amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I love that side of it, and the history of the game is what makes it so unique. I think. What is how does it affect you when people say, "Well, there's Bobby Orr, there's Mario Lemieux, there's Wayne Gretzky, and there's Gordy Howe, and there's Sidney Crosby." That's you know, like if you had the Mount Rushmore of hockey, uh, and I said your face should be up there. Like people say that. Uh, that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, to be, yeah, to be in uh, mentioned with that company, yeah, I would, I would say that that's that's definitely a compliment. And um, what I laugh at is always everyone trying to debate, you know, who was better, and this guy did that, and right. you don't really need to. No, you, don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. The only thing I say is, what would be cool is if, like, if you could, like, in Star Trek, when they beam people, if we could beam you back into the '80s mm-hmm. and just just as you are now yeah and have you step on the ice as Sidney crosby today and play in that environment what would happen yeah you'd have over 200 points i don't no know question. but i don't think i mean you like i i don't think that guys were training really in the summer i think they were taking their summers off i mean that would have an effect and for sure you know like i i don't like playing the the what if you know it's I know. just i just think it's you know we can appreciate all those guys and what they did. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to hear the debates, but sometimes they get, they get crazy. And it's just like, why, you know, why do we need to, there doesn't need to be a right answer. It just yeah. can appreciate what, what those guys did and, and, uh, kind of argue for, I guess the era, not necessarily one and in, in the other. I mean, and some of them, there's no argument. Those guys are in another, you know, in another planet. And you're from another planet. So, you know, in my opinion. Hey, Sid, thanks for taking the time. Have a great year. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully we can do another one of these, just talk about whatever's the hot topic. Yeah, Maybe let me know. a real long one like this, but, you know, just uh, get into some conversations sometimes uh, during the season when things are – or more topical and you're yeah. a particular thing you'd like to get off your chest or yeah. whatever. We you know me. That. I can talk hockey all day. So <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks yeah. a lot. All right. Thanks a lot. I think we could all talk hockey all day long with Sidney Crosby. And we want to thank him for taking so much time. Looking forward to our next conversation on It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time.